Let's turn our attention now to the Christmas story as it's found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. This is the beginning of the greatest story ever told about the most important birth in human history. This is the story of the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a, a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Well, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, for they were just as they had been told. This is the true meaning of Christmas. The birth of Jesus, who was announced by the angel in those famous words of Luke chapter 2, verse 11, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. The Christmas angel announced the birth of a Savior. But what does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus is a Savior? Jesus as a Savior is, of course, a very familiar idea to all of us. But could it be that our idea of Savior is not the same as the Savior's idea? When we think of Savior, most of us think of Jesus' sacrificial death. But Jesus made some statements about his idea of what it meant to him that he was Savior. And it seems clear that to Jesus, being Savior is a much bigger concept than just his death. So, let's study some statements that Jesus made about his role as Savior. And as we do, we will learn that to Jesus... Being Savior refers to his mission of bringing people home to God. Bible scholars agree that out of everything Jesus said in the Gospels, 
His declaration in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, is Jesus' mission statement when it comes to his role as Savior. Speaking of himself, Luke 19, verse 10, Jesus said, The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now, when Jesus spoke these words, he was summarizing the teaching that he had been uh, giving his people four chapters earlier in Luke chapter 15, where Jesus tells three stories on the same theme back to back. The first story, Jesus tells, is a story of a lamb who wanders away from the flock and stumbles into darkness and danger. Jesus says that God is a shepherd who leaves the other 99 sheep of the flock and goes searching after this one lost lamb who is afraid and alone. And when this divine shepherd finds this lost lamb, he throws a party because his lost lamb has come home. That's the first story. Second story, Jesus tells a story of a woman who uh, loses a precious coin in her home and then searches throughout the home in every corner looking for this coin. Third story, Jesus tells the story of a son who dishonors his father by demanding from his dad a share of his inheritance, which was the same as a death wish upon his father. And then this child squanders everything that the father gives and uh, does it on a party lifestyle that leaves him dead broke. And then finally the starving boy heads homeward and while he is still a long way off, he sees his father has been searching the horizon for him every day. And when the father finally sees this child, he runs to this child to embrace him and welcome him home with a celebration party. And Jesus says that God is like this father who searches and runs to bring his children home. And in these three stories, Jesus explains what it means for him to be my Savior. To Jesus, being Savior means that he brings me home to the place I belong. Perhaps no word stirs up more emotion than the word home. For some of us, the word home brings up fond memories, and we can't wait to spend Christmas with our extended family because everyone around the table is a model of spiritual health and emotional maturity. But for some of us, uh, it's not like, you know, Norman Rockwell in the Evening Post. It's more like Norman Bates in uh, Hitchcock's uh, Psycho. Uh, for some of us, every hour we spend with our extended family, we need to match with three hours of therapy. Uh, your personal experience is not the same as my personal experience. We all have different personal experiences when it comes to home. But we all have the same ideal. We all have the same concept that home is the place where I belong. And home summarizes Jesus' goal as Savior. Jesus defined his purpose as seeking 
and saving lost people and bringing them home where they belong. The place I belong is in a relationship with God because this is what I was created for. God created a home for us called Eden. And this was a paradise. Why? Because it's centered on a friendship with God. But when we rebelled against God, we lost Eden and we lost that relationship with God. So Jesus was born in Bethlehem to be our Savior. He died on the cross to pay the debt. But dying is not what makes Him Savior. No, to Jesus, He is Savior because when I believe in Him and His death on the cross... He brings me home. He brings me home to Eden. Now, it is His sacrificial death that makes it possible for Him to bring me home. But His death is not the ultimate goal. What makes Him a Savior is that He seeks His lost lamb. He seeks me as His lost lamb and brings me home where I belong. The prodigal son thought that uh, leaving his father would be the life. But he discovered that separation from his father was actually more like death. And just like the prodigal son, um, when I neglect my relationship with God, I am neglecting what makes my soul live, what makes my soul thrive. When I am separated from God in a relationship with God, when I neglect that relationship, the result is emptiness and a growling hunger and a deathly desperation in my soul. I was made to thrive on a relationship with God. And so were you. Christmas is a good time. It's a good time to evaluate where you are in your relationship with God. If ten is a close, daily, life-giving friendship with God, and zero is complete separation from God. If God were to flash on the screen right now the number that represents your relationship with Him from His perspective, what would God say? What would God say about your relationship with Him? And... This evaluation is not meant to inspire guilt. Uh, guilt that sends me running away from God. No, that's the opposite of what God wants. God wants me to evaluate myself as to where I am as the first step in coming home. God wants me to contrast where I am in my relationship with God, contrast it to where I belong. And run to this Father who is running to embrace me. Could you decide to do that right now? Could you decide to just turn around? Wherever you are in your relationship with God, turn around and come home for Christmas. Because to Jesus, being Savior first means that He brings me to the place where I belong. But second, to Jesus, being Savior means that He brings me home to the place where I am loved. The home we all long for, we all long for a home, 
The home we long for is that place where I am loved. Like everyone, I long for a place where I can be myself and not have to prove myself, not have to earn approval, but where I'm completely accepted, completely loved. But even in the most grace-filled families, we are all homesick. We're homesick for someone who will know us completely and love us completely. This is what Savior means to Jesus. To Jesus, being Savior means that He brings me home to the place where I am completely loved. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 23. All those who love me will follow my teaching. My Father will love them. And we will come and make our home with them. Jesus says that to him, being Savior means bringing people home to this daily experience of unconditional love. Jesus says, my Father will make a home with them. He will love them. And this word for love is the Greek word agape. You know, in Greek, there are about four words for love, all translated into the one English word, love. But the highest definition is agape, which means a radical, unconditional love that cannot be increased, cannot be decreased, because it is perfect and it's permanent. The Savior brings me home to this experience of this kind of agape love. Jen and I saved the actual grocery list. We saved this grocery list this is five years old um, when our twins were uh, six years old. And uh, my wife is very organized, and so every week she makes a long grocery list uh, and then leaves it on the kitchen counter. Uh, well, one shopping day, uh, Jen uh, picked up this list and saw that it had her handwriting top to bottom. Uh, and then um, there was one word uh, that was written in kind of a six-year-old handwriting underneath lettuce and uh, salad dressing. And the letters were at slightly different angles, but it spelled one word, candy. <laughs> and we had a good laugh because uh, we knew that this was a joint effort uh, of two kids that they that thought that they had hit upon the most brilliant, surefire way to score some extra treats. And we were laughing about it until all of a sudden uh, something hit us. And what hit us was that uh, this whole scheme revolved around the premise that we were so dumb that uh, we would pick up this list, be in the store and say, uh, it says candy, I don't know why we need candy, let's get candy. And, uh, and I, I guess... Uh, I guess instead of, you know, relying on our love uh, for them and our desire to give them good things, uh, they decided to rely on our stupidity. And, uh, and apparently even at six years old, they had enough evidence to think that that was a good bet. Um, but you know what? I think we treat God in a similar way. I don't think any of us would say that God would be dumb, but we do rely on something other than God's love. For us, Instead of just asking God for good things, we instead try to trick God to giving us what we want. We figure we can't really rely on God's love 
for us. So we try to earn God's love so that He'll give us what we want because we're good, because we're trying harder, or we're doing better, or we're praying more. Uh, and then God will give us what we want. And I think this approach just breaks the Father's heart. Because Jesus came to save us from religion. He came to save us from that religion that would say, I've got to earn God's love for me. I've got to earn God's favor. So, this Christmas, do whatever you need to do to turn around. To turn around and come back to a complete reliance upon God's complete love for you as His child. Would you just come home for Christmas? Because to Jesus, being Savior means that He brings you home to the place where you are completely, utterly, totally loved. And finally, to Jesus, being Savior means He brings me home to the place of my dreams. Uh, I grew up in a happy home, and uh, I'm blessed now with a happy home. But if I'm honest, you know, there's a part of me that is homesick. I am homesick because there's a part of me that knows that this world is not my real home. Even in the most happy home here on earth, things are always falling apart. Um, things are never quite right. And there's always sadness, there's always hurt right around the corner. I'm homesick for a home where there's never any sadness. Where there is permanent security. I'm homesick for another home which is the place of my dreams. And Jesus came as a Savior to bring me home to the place of my dreams. Jesus said this just before his death in uh, John chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, so that you also may be where I am. See, once again, Jesus' thoughts center around home. Jesus' thoughts center around home and bringing His people home to God. And much of Jesus' teaching is just like this, where the background of His words is the way home life worked in Jesus' day. In Jesus' day, most people lived in what was called an insula. And this was a housing arrangement that was centered on a courtyard. A courtyard where maybe there would be some animals and uh, cooking fires uh, for, uh, for warmth or cooking. And uh, then around this courtyard, there were rooms where the people would actually live. And uh, these rooms that formed uh, around the courtyard were often occupied by different generations of the same family. Keep in mind that marriages in that day were generally arranged by the fathers. Uh, kids didn't go out and just get engaged on their own. Their marriages were arranged by their dads. And the older my kids get, uh, the wiser this arrangement appears to me. And this seems right, biblical. Um, anyway, uh, when the engagement was arranged, the new couple did not go house hunting, um, as they do you know, today. The, the paternal family would add another room to the insula. 
and a new couple uh, would move into a new room around the courtyard. So first there would be an engagement and uh, then the father and son would go and do some construction work. Uh, and then when the room was finished, then came the wedding. And this in-between time, this in-between time between engagement and the wedding is actually referred to in the Christmas story, right? Um, in verse 5 of Luke chapter 2, uh, Mary became pregnant in that in-between time between when she was pledged to Joseph and the wedding. While in that in-between period, we assume Joseph was preparing a room for her. Anyway, um, weddings, uh, you know, today are planned with uh, months in advance, everybody knowing a specific date. But in Jesus' day, nobody knew when the wedding was going to happen because it all depended on getting this father's room ready. So at their engagement, a groom-to-be would say to the bride-to-be, I'm going to my father's house to uh, work on this place where you and I are going to live. And when it's ready, I will come back for you. So just be ready when I come back for the wedding. And then the son would go back and uh, then the father would say, all right, son, we're finished. Go and get your bride. And so the son would gather his friends and they would enter into the bride's town as a parade. And someone would blow a trumpet called a shofar uh, to announce that it was the wedding day. And the bride would be ready, and there would be a great celebration. And uh, Jesus used all this imagery. If you know the Gospels, you know he used this imagery to explain that he is a Savior who brings his people to home. To home, the place of their dreams. The Father and the Son have been working on a home for you for over two thousand years. It's a home designed for your eternal joy. So you will never have sadness, but complete fulfillment and complete security forever and ever. It's your dream house. So is it any wonder that we should rejoice this day? Because Jesus is that Savior that Savior who will one day blow the trumpet and He will personally bring you to that place where you are homesick for today, whether you know it or not. He will bring you to that Eden that you only dream about. This will be yours. And it will be never, ever taken away. So is it any wonder that on the Christmas day that we celebrate tonight, the angels sang, the angels sang about the Savior when they announced, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. The angels couldn't help to sing about but Jesus, the one and only Savior who brings you home to the place where you belong. Home to the place where you are completely loved. Home to the place of your wildest dreams forever and ever. So, wherever you are in your relationship with God, hear the angels sing, Today a Savior has been born for you. Wherever you are in your relationship with God, would you hear the Savior Himself whisper 
to you. Come home. Come home for Christmas. Let's pray. I'd like to just give you a quiet moment. You know, there's, there's very few of these in this season. I'd like to give you a quiet moment to just reflect a little bit on that relationship with God. And I, I don't know where you are. You know where you are. God knows where you are in relationship to Him. Maybe you've been following Him for a long time, but you're sensing distance. Would you just turn around? He's calling you. He's running to you. He wants to welcome you home for Christmas. And maybe this is that moment when you have never turned around. You've never started a relationship with God. Maybe this is that moment when you turn around and say, Jesus, I believe that you died. You died for me. And I receive now your forgiveness based on what you did on the cross for me. Maybe that's that moment for you. Would you do that right now wherever you are in your relationship with God? Would you just right now turn around and come home for Christmas? God, thank you for loving us personally. Thank you for having a desire to have a personal relationship with each one of us. Thank you for coming to us personally at Christmas. And now, as we continue to celebrate, as we continue to sing, would you draw us closer than when we came in this place? Bring us home for Christmas. Amen.